Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, I got a very interesting note uh, that the DOJ, Department of Justice, uh, Alex Garrett here, by the way, was looking into an entire police department. Yes, Merrick Garland takes office, and what's one of his first things? Some might say the Rudy Raid, but a little bit before that was a bigger story in the investigation of the Louisville Police Department, and he's got his eye on everything Department of Justice. He is Jeff Mordock of the Washington Times. Jeff, longtime friend already. Thanks for joining me once again to talk about all of this. Thank you for having me, Ash. I always love coming on here and talking with you. So normally Department of Justice uh, doesn't do this kind of work. So what's the motivating factor to looking into an entire police department? And and you found this much more interesting than the Rudy Raid. Tell, Tell me why. Well, I think it's much more interesting. Well, a couple things here. I think it's much more interesting than the Rudy Raid because this has such an impact across the country. This impacts your life. It impacts my life. It impacts how the police are going to police our cities that we live in, how safe we're going to be from crime. The Rudy Giuliani thing, well, interesting, it is still one man who has been some things that raised some questions. Maybe he is, you know, completely innocent. Maybe he's not. There's still some debate, but it still focuses on one man in some activities he did that was somewhat questionable. Anyway, whereas this goes back to the heart of all of us, which is how safe are we and how safe are we going to be if the police can't do their jobs? Uh, now, one thing I want to go back to is um, you had kind of at the beginning said that it's a little unusual that the Justice Department's doing this. It actually depends. Um, when there's a Democratic administration, the Justice Department does this all the time. They do this quite frequently under the Obama administration. It was abandoned under Trump. So we really, we had, I think, one under the Trump administration, the Springfield, Massachusetts Police Department, and it wasn't much of an investigation. Whereas um, now you, you we're back to these big, sprawling investigations of major police departments. In the Louisville police investigations, actually the second one launched by Merrick Garland since becoming attorney general only for a month, only a month ago. He's also uh, launched one into the Minneapolis Police Department based on, um, obviously, the incident with George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. And so let's talk about this. Uh, and you would think the Chauvin verdict, uh, whether you think it's just or not, I mean, I happen to be in agreement it is a pretty just thing. I mean, you know, it's it's nine minutes of footage that we will never unsee, right, Jeff? So it, it sort of right. feels justified. Um, but then again, why isn't the Justice Department okay with that? And what I mean by that is, why isn't that satisfactory for them to trust police when we know justice just went down on a police officer that was unjust, if that all makes sense? Well, if you want to, if you want to think about it, one of the things I think is really interesting about opening up these investigations is the based on single incidents. You know, it's not like I mean, it's not like we've had widespread reports of rampant corruption in Minneapolis. I mean, maybe there has been some minor reports in the local Minneapolis press, but it's not like this is being based solely on the George. Bill and really, though being based solely on the uh, Breonna Taylor incident. It's not like there's been widespread corruption and um, other allegations alleged against the Louisville Police Department. And now you've got these two, so you're really basing these on single incidences. Whereas before, when we would launch these investigations, there were always allegations of widespread corruption. You could point to multiple officers in 
and find issues. But here, we're watching these investigations based on single points that have happened. Well, that is so true. And I got to say, you mentioned police departments. New York City's police department did have corruption. Let's not, you know, let's not sugarcoat that here in New York. But I don't remember the DOJ. Maybe I'm too young getting involved with that. Do you? No, I don't. Um, I, I don't think they ever investigated the NYPD. They, they may have years and um, decades ago, but but certainly not in anybody's recent memory. Um, and one of the things I think is kind of inter- really interesting here is um, this isn't going to stop with Louisville and Minneapolis. Um, I report actually I had this as an exclusive, so I'm going to tout myself there. Um, Merrick Garland had a meeting with um, last couple about a week or two ago with top law enforcement the leaders of the top law enforcement groups in the country uh you know the national organization jeff i lost you there say that one more time i said um he had last about two weeks ago had a meeting with uh the leaders of top law enforcement groups including the national sheriff's association the national association of police organizations and the National Fraternal Order of Police, and he told them to expect more of these types of investigations into local police departments, that this wasn't going to stop with Minneapolis and Louisville. There would be more. Well, you know, you, you write with such a... Um, you don't necessarily have an opinion about it. You have a very factual thing, but it's facts that no one else is talking about, hence why I turn to you, because you guys cover what, what people aren't reading. But on your opinion side, you just said it's not safe for all of us when they start doing this. And ex- go into that a little more because I'm curious why you feel that that's... And I agree with you, but but I want your perspective on it. Sure. I, I think there's a couple reasons to, uh, to be worried about this. One is this hurts morale. Um, this hurts morale. The other reason is these things always have a predetermined conclusion. I mean, if you think about how many contacts one police officer has with the public every day, and then you multiply that across a large department, especially one the size of Minneapolis and Louisville. You're going to come up with thousands, if not millions, of contacts a day between police officers of a specific department and the public. So with that many contacts, and you start looking at each and every one, and you send people into the communities where the police are interacting, and obviously the police are not interacting in the communities where there's no crime. They're going to where there is more crime. And you start looking at those interactions, you're going to find something. You're going to find something because, one, that's what you're there to look for. Two, with that many interactions, there's the chance that something's going to go wrong or that there's an issue. And it may not even be an issue. It may be somebody didn't like the way an officer talked to him. Somebody interpreted something wrong. There will be stuff down. That's just the way these investigations go. So after they find something, which they will, There's only, because that's what they decided to do, there's only one solution, which is enter a consent decree. And a consent decree is an agreement between the police department and the um, Justice Department, which allows the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division to take over that police department. And essentially, the federal government is now managing your local police department. And, uh, you know, the federal government, we've seen, I mean, they can't even get a letter delivered from you know Detroit to Washington D.C. in under two weeks, and now they're going to tell the police department how how to do its job. It's a scary thought, Jeff. You know, it's uh, funny as you mentioned this. Uh, as you mentioned this, like the whole idea that that that, that we don't want a police state. Well, Biden seems to be allowing this now, right? 
Well, yes, because you're going to have the federal government taking it over. And then what you're going to have is you look at the cities where the federal government did take over and uh, have a consent decree. And a perfect example of that is a city that's less than 30 minutes from my house, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore has been under a consent decree because of the Freddie Gray death in, um, I believe that was 2015. And as a result of Freddie Gray's death, you know, Baltimore has been under control of the Justice Department. Crime has skyrocketed in Baltimore. Uh, the police, you know, they become terrified to enforce crime. They don't know what they're going to do that's going to land them in trouble with the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. Uh, they are really unsure how to act. Uh, it hurts morale. And you've got um, and you've just got a mess on your hands where crime runs amok. And one of the reasons why the Trump administration wouldn't do consent decrees and abandon pat- these investigations are called pattern or practice investigations because you're looking at the department's patterns and practices. Uh, and one of the reasons why they abandon these investigations is, as Jeff Sessions put it, the federal government should not be in the business of running local police departments. And that's what you're going to have here. You know, I, I've just got to say everything to everybody's brains now seems normal because while well, Trump's not there yet, that's also because the media is not reporting on this stuff, right? The, the, these different things happening. Right. Well, the media looks at it as, I mean, I, I think a lot of people in the media look at these consent decrees and these um, investigations has deserved because of these high profile incidents. But again, you know, I can't find anything in the, in, in local media in Louisville or, or Minneapolis pointing to rampant, rampant civil rights violations, which is what they're looking for. I mean, we say corruption, but they're really looking for civil rights violations and how they, they deal with different racial situations. Well, you and, know, um, go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say that, you know, um, that's what they're looking into, and you've got, um, you know, it, it's just, you, it's, it's, it's based on two incidences in two departments. There's, there's not these rampant violations that have been worked at, we see being reported. You know, there's a big concern that, well, these police departments are being infiltrated by many, like some like Chauvin. And I disagree with that. However, uh, it feels like this investigation on its face should be just looking at that. But they're not right. They're looking at more than just infiltration, if you will. Right. They're looking at whether or not um, they have violated the civil rights um, of people they've arrested. Um, you know, by, you know, illegal detaining, withholding their rights, uh, whether or not they, they beat suspects, used excessive force. Uh, I mean, part of these investigations, uh, and Merrick Garland said this himself, part of these investigations are going to look into um, how, the, how these police departments handled rioters during the uh, protests last summer. That's going to be part of this investigation if they violate any of the civil rights of any of the people who were demonstrating and protesting. And that's an interesting question, because who do you consider a protester or a demonstrator? You know, was this the peaceful people who were marching and had a legitimate concern about police brutality that they were marching in the streets? Or are we talking about the people who set fire to the night shop in downtown? I mean, that's the question. That and there, think, there's been no know, persecution or no no justice for the business owner, right? In all of this, there's been no right. lookout for those who get, burned down buildings. Right. You know, they, they, they burn down buildings. You know, the federal government will bring some arson charge and they get whatever punishment they have. But yes, the, you're right. 
the business person then has to rebuild his life. I mean, he does have insurance, but you know, he's lost merchandise. I mean, insurance doesn't cover everything, and it's. It, it, it's a tragedy that, you know, these people's businesses have been sacrificed. They were crying um, and people were laughing at them crying. It's like, what are you doing? How evil are you to laugh at these people? Exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's so, that's it. and one other thing I want to point out too is I talked about what Merrick Garland told those, those law enforcement groups that there will be other of these types of investigations. Also, another thing is the Justice Department right now submitted its 2022 fiscal year budget request. And in there, uh, Merrick Garland is requesting a big boost. I think it was $33 million for the Civil Rights Division. I, I believe that number is correct. And that $33 million to the Civil Rights Division, what that's going to go for, at least some of that money is going to go for increased police investigations. That's why he's asking for it in the Civil Rights Division, which does these types of investigations. You know, they, they dress it up and say, oh, it's for civil rights probes and all that, but it's for these police investigations. So that's another sign that more, in addition to Merrick Garland saying it explicitly, it's obvious that more are coming down the pike by the fact that the Justice Department is looking for more money to do these types of probes. Let me ask you about, because you just mentioned a couple of months, uh, minutes ago, the excessive force, and we all can agree excessive force isn't exactly ideal, um, you know, from the police department. But what I'm worried about right. is they're going to find things that were totally legal and say they were illegal. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think more than I think that more than finding things that were legal and illegal is you're going to find things in a gray area that could be interpreted either way. And you're going to want to have the police looking at this and want to interpret it in the best positive light, which may not be the correct answer. And you'll probably have the civil rights lawyers wanting to interpret this in the worst possible right light, which may be the uh, and that that's where you're really going to have the problem is the gray area. You know, was this was this practice or this this method of detaining a suspect did the officer follow it 100 percent to the core did they do everything right or you know was did they not entirely follow their training and you know we probably have officers uh, that are getting um just absolutely just demonized in the media they're being attacked out there you know last week i don't know how many people in your audience knows last week we had two police officers die on the same day from attacks. One on the LIE, um, if yeah, I'm not mistaken, office. here in New York. Yeah, we, we had um, we had an we had an officer ambushed in Nashville. I think it was uh, earlier this week. I believe it was Tuesday. Um, these officers are under attack, and they're um, they're just not getting the support. And this this initiative by the Justice Department is not helping. Well, no, and then, you know, you look at the trial, and it's unprecedented with that, with the Chauvin verdict, and part of me says, yes, there was justice, but another part of me says, this opens up the door for less policing, because cops are going to look at this and say, I don't want to be anywhere near a possibility of this. Am I right? Well, that's a very good question, and yes, and that goes back to what Jeff Sessions said, is the concern that these probes are going to severely damage morale. Now... Everybody touted Merrick Garland as this moderate, as this good. So, you know, he said when he'd be confirmed, I'd bring you on. Now he's a couple months in. It doesn't sound like he's as moderate as they were touting him to be. No, and it's not even so much him because he's more of the figurehead. If you look at who he's put in to the higher positions at the Justice Department, people like... um, you know, Vanita Gupta, 
Um, Lisa Monaco is, uh, I'm sorry, not Lisa Monaco. I meant Kristen Clark is another one who hasn't been confirmed yet, but he's nominated. These people are far left. These are leftists who, um, and, and I'm not sure if you can hear my dog is barking in the background, so I apologize for He's that. for the police too, uh, I guess, right? Right. But, um, these are, uh, these are far left people who, uh, are, um, you know, who, who who push a far left ideology? Well, and that's the thing. It's just if a moderate liberal. See, I believe as we're talking about this, that I have to think that moderate liberals have family in the police department, right? That's only common sense to think. Yet they seem so happy that Biden's president. They're not seeing what's happening to their own family members. It goes to that extent, does it not? Um, I think it just goes to the issue of morale. Whether you have. Um, you know, whether you're, you've got a family member in the police department or not. I think overall, it's just another way in which we see police being cracked down on and becoming victims of the anti-police uh, mentality that's out there. Now, it may be a stupid question here, Jeff, but mm-hmm. shouldn't the Justice Department have the backs of those who are trying to bring justice to our streets? I would feel like they should, no? Well, and that's been the argument against, as I mentioned, we've had some far left people like uh, Kristen Clark and uh, Vanita Gupta uh, put up for high level positions in the Justice Department. And um, that's been the argument from Republicans, because both Ms. Clark and Ms. Gupta have authored um, pieces and advocated for defunding the police. Um, you know, they have been strong proponents of the defund the police movement. Um, as a matter of fact, Kristen Clark wrote a whole article in New in um, Newsweek with a headline about defunding the police. And have they done anything in the Justice Department to do something about pastors that have been unrightly fined for, you know, it, it just goes to all those levels of like, if there's justice, why isn't there justice for the pastor? Why isn't there justice for the, you know, the business owner? I just, I don't see it right now. Right. Um, it, well, it, I mean, this is what's taking up their time. This is their top priority. I mean, you can tell it's their top priority by the fact that they're asking money for it. Oh. Yeah, and I didn't. I had no idea until you told me that that that's what's happening. And that's because the average person now seems to be going about their way. Oh, we're almost out of this pandemic. Let's not worry about the news. Trump's not in office. I, I'm a little sure. jaded right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. You talk about Baltimore, and not funny, but it's interesting that Talking about Baltimore, but he's talking about the no-no that this guy threw yesterday, and yet you're telling us some real facts about Baltimore. But hey, let's celebrate a no-hitter, right? Well, hey, let's not knock. Um, let's oh, not I mean, knock it's a great accomplishment order. for John Means, yeah. but I'm just saying that at least you're bringing something else to the table that um, that you know in this time of celebration is worth noting as well. Yes, I would agree. Um, I, I think it's important, and you look at you know the cities that have defunded the police. Um, I've studied on cities that have defunded the police. Uh, gosh, I don't, you know, I did the story a while ago, but they, in the first three months of 2021, they've seen a 68% um, increase in murders. I mean, the murders are off the charts in those cities. So, yeah, and, and what about the New York City? For those who may not be paying attention, is how is New York, but now that we've defunded it, although we have taken it, taken anti-crime unit off the street and whatnot, yeah. Um, how has New York? Well, and not only did you take an anti-crime unit off the street, you took an anti-crime unit whose job was solely to prevent crime and prevent gun violence off of the street. 
You know, so now you've got police officers reacting to crime instead of being out there trying to prevent crime. And and so what did you what did you guys find in the, in your study about New York? Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. And I, I did that story a while ago, but the numbers in New York increased. They they had gone up. Um, it's you know it's um, it's a function of all of these cities, and it's not just New York. It's all these cities that have cut. You know, L.A., um, Seattle, Portland. Portland's really jumped up. Um, all of these cities have. And so, what can the average person listening to you and I right now? do i mean is it more than just calling our local even congress representatives because they're not doing much right now if you're on the liberal side of things so what what can the americans do i feel like we just have to sit back on our hands and i don't want us to sit back on our hands if that makes sense i don't know what the average person can do other than call their politician and call their lawmaker and tell them that um you know to, to reach out to their lawmaker but and, you know, I don't, I don't know what the average person can do. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough situation, especially for people like you and me who live in major cities. And we don't want to riot like January 6th. Uh, you know, actually, that's a few months ago today already. So we don't want to do that. But there's got to be some middle ground where Americans get involved. Hopefully things shape up. Hey, the um, you mentioned a couple months ago that this is taking up the time of the DOJ. And I just couldn't help but think that the special counsel for Robert Mueller took up the time of that DOJ for most of Trump's presidency. Yet I almost would rather have preferred that than this, if that may, if you'd agree there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at it, if, if you look at it, that definitely prevented the Trump administration from accomplishing things. Um, so I just don't know. Um, I don't know how that it's better to have the DOJ focused on this or focused on something like the Mueller probe. I don't know. Well, in your reporting, either one of them are winning options. You know, you you do report the facts on this, but what is your hope for the DOJ? Like, since covering them, have you have they reached? your hope of what they should be and what the ideal is, or are we falling way short for the United States Department of Justice right now? It, over the last I few years, like, I would say. I, I feel like over the last couple of years, we're, we're falling way short because they've been focused on political prosecutions, prosecutions of um, high-profile people that will net certain prosecutors' promotions um, rather than take a look at the facts and, and where they lead. Um that that's been an issue. Um, but I mean, that's been an issue at the Justice Department, regardless of who's running it. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you've got there is you have these career DOJ officials that are doing whatever they want because they know, you know, in four years, Merrick Garland won't be the attorney general. And they knew six months ago, Bill Barr won't be the attorney general in a couple of months. And they knew, you know, in four years, Merrick Garland won't be the attorney general. And they know we're going to outlast Merrick Garland. We're going to outlast Bill Barr. So they can do whatever they want. The attorney general is really a figurehead. Everybody assumes the attorney general has all of this power and, you know, they're running. But honestly, they, they control very little of what goes on in the Justice Department. It's really up to the line prosecutors who designate where things go and where they don't go. And I'll give you a great example of that is if you look at 2018, all the people, there were several people who came out of the woodwork to lie about Brett Kavanaugh. 
And I'm not talking about um, the woman who had testified against him. I'm talking about people who came out of the woodwork with these ridiculous stories that were easily verified as being untrue, uh, where they had alleged they were victims of sexual assault by Brett Kavanaugh. And those individuals have were referred to the Justice Department in 2018 for prosecution. It is now 2021, and I can't find any evidence whatsoever that the Justice Department has done anything on that investigation. Uh, no charges have been brought, nothing. Um, and that's you know something that's pretty easy to do, with most of that being debunked by the FBI and most of that being debunked by the senators who were investigating it at that time. Um, that was basically those, those investigations were handled in the Justice Department on a silver platter, and the Justice Department hasn't done anything with it. I don't know if you've talked to the current ones off the record or, you know, anonymously, but other ones that were outgoing, right? Did they ever talk to you? Because I know you're, you talk to a lot of people down in, in the DOJ. Did anybody, any of them? Well, I don't want to get into who is and who isn't or who, who I've spoken with because that always discourages people to talk from, from talking to you. So yeah, that's true. I try not to ever talk about who, who I am or who I am not talking with. But in general, the morale there, it doesn't sound as good as it should be at the DOJ either. Well, I don't know because you certainly have a fair amount of people on the DOJ who are on the left and side with Merrick Garland and side with what Merrick Garland believes. And I think among those people, the morale is great. And I would bet that there's more of those people than people who sided with Bill Barr or Jeff Sessions. And have we had a press conference from them? Because I remember Sessions and Barr at certain points ended up doing press conferences. I haven't seen a Merrick Garland press conference. No, um, you haven't. Um, it's interesting. No, he is not taking questions yet. Um, I actually have been meaning to look this up, and I haven't had a chance to. I don't know when the first time Bill Barr or Jeff Sessions took questions after becoming attorney general. Uh, I've meaning to look that up, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So I don't know how that compares uh, to Merrick Garland. But you're right. Merrick Garland has not taken any questions from the press yet. And one of the things I find really interesting is because of coronavirus, the Justice Department's been working on a reporter pool system. And what a, how a pool system works is they one an outlet. So, you know, all the all of the outlet all the major outlets that cover the Justice Department. You got the New York Times, Time Magazine, Washington Post, Washington my publication, Washington Times, um, etc. Uh, BuzzFeed, The Hill, all of them. They will so there's about twenty of us, twenty of the DOJ press corps, about twenty reporters in that. And the way it works is they pick one of us and in a rotation and we go and we cover whatever Merrick Garland is doing. And that's limited to his press conferences. So it's a long way of getting to this point, which I think is kind of funny. They pick one reporter to do the pool for his press conferences or for his, his announcements. So he's made two announcements so far, the Minneapolis one and the Louisville one. And it's really funny to watch those on C-SPAN because you see Merrick Garland at this podium. And then maybe about eight feet away is one chair with one reporter sitting in it, and the rest is this empty room. So, Well, that is sad. Um, but, you know, I will say thank God in this – I have to say it in this Democratic administration, a conservative outlet like yours still has a seat at the table at the DOJ because I know that's a concern among a lot of you know outlets, to be very honest with you. 
that they won't have a seat at the well, table. Well, our, our report is down the middle. I don't look at us as a conservative outlet. I do agree our editorial page is conservative, but I think the reporting is fair, and I think it's down the middle. And we're certainly willing to give Merrick Garland credit when we think Merrick Garland does something well. And I certainly was critical of uh, Barr and Sessions for a lot of things they did that um, – I, I didn't feel as a smart And we even discussion. talked about that on the broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. So we've uh, yes. we've covered a lot. And I just remember the first time I talked to you was about taxes at NFL stadiums. And now here we are talking about the mm-hmm. DOJ. What what a shift, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. So. Well, Jeff Mordock, I know you got to get to writing for, the, for your article. So mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad you gave yep. a little time for me today on this podcast. And we'll talk to you no, soon. I'm Mark. glad you asked. I always like coming on here and talking with you. I wanted to make sure I make the time. Um, Interesting article. We've got firing squads are coming back. That's the article I, I've got to go finish up now. Um, states are looking into bringing back firing squads as an alternative to the lethal injection. So something maybe we can talk about in the future. Oh, definitely. Because if you remember Top Secret, the old granny had to get to the phone to try and cancel off Val Kilmer's firing right. squad. So that was what right, came to a- mind. Yeah, well, we're, that's a topic we're definitely going to cover. So, all right. Cool. Cool. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Alex. Take care. Thank you. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. And thank your police officer, please. They need our support in a time where obviously not even the DOJ has their backs.